coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your wealth activator, Lisa Drennan, and today I have a fabulous CPA with me. I love it. CPAs are amazing. You know, they have to work really hard to study for that test. It's very difficult to pass. And it just intrigues me that they can absorb all that knowledge, all that math and those numbers, right? Cindy McGee has holds a master of science degree in accounting and has been a practicing CPA for over 20 years. She founded her own CPA firm, NextGen, established in 2017 under her leadership, the firm grew from a solopreneur at a kitchen table to a multi-million dollar firm with offices in four states and a team of 25 dynamic women. I love this. This is an all-woman-run company. It is. Yes. We are disruptors to the industry because it's not, not common to see a CPA firm owned by a woman, let alone an entirely women team. So we are blessed. We bring a, a feminine energy to the financial services space. I love that. That is so beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for being here and sharing your time and energy with us. I love that you've been doing this for so long. And like I said earlier, CPA is just, I'm, I'm always intrigued with CPAs because I know how difficult it is to pass that test and to and all the rules are changing every single year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things to keep up with. What made you um, go into this field? So I have always kind of had an affinity for numbers. Math was my favorite subject dating all the way back to elementary school. And I always try to describe accounting as just math plus money equals accounting. Um, <laughs> and I really, really... Um, took kind of what I was just naturally gifted at and wanted to explore ways that I could do it in a way that helps people. And so becoming a CPA, which is a public accountant, like you work for people. And in my case, we work for small business owners and growing business owners. And so I took that kind of love for math and kind of natural attraction to money, married those together and chose accounting as a way to really like make a difference just in my own personal life and my own gener- like the next generation for me. And also through my firm, NextGen, the next generation for the small business owners that we support. Oh, I love that. So you've always had a love for numbers. So when was the very first time you met money? You know, what's interesting is that growing up, I wouldn't even say I met money. I think I met the idea that I lacked money, right? So as kids, you kind of just know what you experience. You don't know a whole lot about the value of a dollar or if you have money or if you don't have money until you're kind of in a comparison with someone else. So I remember in the first grade, my first kind of introduction to the lack of money in my in my case um, was when I learned about like the free and reduced lunch program and that my family was in that program and one of my closest friends wasn't in that program. And so it was like the clear introduction to there is people that have money and there's people that don't have money and understanding that um, at a really young age, I was immediately inspired to make sure that I was doing the right things, making the right decisions and pursuing a career path that would put me in the category of 
the people that have money and knew how to take care of that money um, in a responsible way so that it could continue for multiple generations. Yeah, I just got a great intro at first, but definitely inspired me to do some different things later in life. Yeah, absolutely. I just got a flashback when I was in junior high. We had lived in a city and moved to the suburb and I had befriended a, a couple of girls whose family owned a business and we were in lunch and I could never buy lunch because we had to bring our lunch. My dad worked part time in a butcher shop, so we used to make some mean subs to bring for lunch. And I'd always wanted to buy lunch because everyone else was buying lunch, right? But this one particular um, friend, her and her sister used to get the free lunch. And I went home and told my mom, I'm like, she's like, how do they get free lunch? Their parents own a business. And then my dad says, they're self-employed. They hide their money. (laughs) (laughs) Makes them qualify for free lunches. And I'm like, well, I want free lunches. (laughs) And my mom's like, be thankful you don't qualify for free lunches. And I'm like, she was and you get these best lunches. And it was funny because after that, I went in and I brought a foot long sub in and it had all kinds of assorted cuts and uh, cold cuts and lettuce. And one of the teachers said, where did you buy that? I'm like, I brought it from home. He's like, I'll pay, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, this is lunch. I don't know. I'm not selling my lunch. I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so could have had a little side business right there, right? You could have been an entrepreneur <laughs> in elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. And, and having that personal relationship with money, did you ever feel like money was not there for you or that you were on this roller coaster of, oh, money comes and goes? Absolutely. I mean, I think obviously that's a part of it in childhood because you don't kind of know all things, but I think that relationship with money in some respects carries forward into adulthood as well. So as an entrepreneur, I still feel like I often ride the roller coaster of money. Um, With entrepreneurs, we're a service-based business. So obviously the money flow that we have comes from our clients who pay us for the services that we render. And so if they experience a cash flow slowdown, we experience it too, because now they're delayed in making their payments to us. And so I wish that that roller coaster ride was one that you know, didn't continue for your whole life. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, there's still some pieces kind of of the ups and downs that that still happen even at this point. And so one of the things that I get to do with my firm, and I've done it even in my personal life, is like just finding strategic ways to help make that roller coaster ride less scary. So finding ways to create more predictability to like make right decisions that kind of smooth out some of those peaks and valleys of the roller coaster ride. So it doesn't necessarily go away, um, but there are certainly like good ways that you can help kind of just minimize the big impacts that come from, from being on the ride. Yeah, I love that. And having that strategic plan in place is so important. I know so many will connect with an accountant or a bookkeeper and like, here, just take it and do it for me. And they Mm -hmm. really don't know what's going on. How do you help with that? So first I try to explain to people, we are judgment free though. So a lot of people think um, they shouldn't come to us until they've kind of gotten things figured out or gotten things into a decent place. That is not the right answer. Like literally bring your mess to us. We are accustomed to it. We are here to kind of help clean things up and give you a clear path forward. So we try to just make sure there's not any barriers to entry, no shame or concern about bringing all of the information to us. And then once we get it, our goal is really to make sure that we extract meaning out of your financial data. So just the data itself, just us producing reports to check the box to say, I did my bookkeeping for the month. 
really doesn't meet the mark in terms of allowing a self-employed or, or entrepreneur to be able to make good decisions, good financial decisions, and have a good relationship with their money. So while we will do the legwork and the heavy lifting, we really want to have a good relationship with that founder to help them understand their financial data. You can't make good financial decisions if you don't understand the data and the impact of those decisions on your financial results. So we do a lot of education. Like that's a part of our mission to really educate founders and help them understand this is what this data actually means. And here's the decisions that you may want to reconsider, make changes to, some you may want to duplicate, some you may want to eliminate to help you produce better financial results and not just kind of stick your hand in the sand and say, hey, CPA, do all the work. Um, we trust you to do it right. We, we're glad that you have that trust. We, we want to be in a relationship with you in a partnership to make you understand it and help you make the best decisions so that you have great financial results. Yeah, I love that. On a personal level, how how what's your relationship with money look like? If you think about speed dating, you know we we meet we meet the partner and then we move on to the first, second, third date, and then we get more serious, engaged, marriage, becoming partners. Where are you at in your personal life with uh, money, your money relationship? So it's funny because I think like any relationship, it evolves over time, right? Like when you're in like the early stages of a relationship, it's kind of tenuous trying to figure each other out. And then as you things grow, you mature and you're kind of more relaxed and it's more um, kind of predictable, like what's going to happen. So I think I've reached kind of the stage in my relationship with money where I'm kind of at that mature level. Um, I have a really good relationship in terms of I kind of know what to expect. Um, I don't typically have too many surprises in the grand scheme of things on a personal level. And I've learned that it's really, really important in my relationship with money to make my the money be a working partner in the relationship, right? So I think sometimes, and even my own initial concept of the relationship with money was the goal was to have enough to meet all of your obligations and then save the rest, right? <laughs> but when you save, your money's not really working for you, right? And so I had to shift that mindset into, well, how do I make the money work for me? And how do I make sure that I have money available that can work for me? So monitoring what obligations I have that need to be paid, minimizing those, being really smart with the decisions on how much I need to spend on a given month, and then making sure that I have identified a way to make the money work for me. So for me, that's kind of really twofold. It's investing back into my business because my business makes me more money, but it's also investing into the future. So having long-term kind of retirement savings investments as well that make sure that the money that I have isn't just sitting, isn't just paying someone else, but it's working for me. So we have a mutual relationship. I'm working to earn money and it's working to earn me more money. Yeah. So that's how I would describe our kind of mature relationship that I've developed with money now having been a CPA for about 21 years and, and in the workforce that long. Yeah. That's how the relationship has evolved. Well, I love that because a lot of um, business owners commingle their funds, right? They don't draw themselves a salary. And I know, you know, once you have your LLC and you go with your S Corp and all that, you know, you're, it forces you to draw that salary. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs who still commingle their funds and they don't really separate the two. What do you have to share? What's your expert? What's your thought process on that as far as the best route for them 
the, yeah. the mindset behind it, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. For sure. And you're right. I mean, it's really common for personal and business funds to be commingled. In some cases, it, it seems like a necessity, right? Like you don't necessarily have enough money to cover all of your obligations personally or in the business. So you need to share money to get everything covered. So I understand how it happens. And like I say, no judgment, but it doesn't actually benefit you personally or professionally to do that. Even though you think there's this need, it doesn't benefit you. Keeping those separated is really important from a legal perspective. So your LLC is designed to limit your liability personally. If you're commingling funds, um, you don't you don't create that limited liability structure that you're designing because your company and your personal money are the one and the same. So you've kind of created a, a joint relationship that you didn't intend to. So keep that in mind from a legal perspective, but from a just a accounting and CPA's perspective, when you commingle funds, it's really, really challenging for us to then segment that and give you a clear picture of how you're performing for your business. And it becomes a vicious cycle of, I need to use money from the business to pay personal expenses. And you can't separate those two to eventually help the business grow to the place that you no longer need to keep the money you know, commingled. You can have them completely separated. So you have to just kind of draw this line in the sand, I like to say, to say from this date, I'm going to keep all of my finances separate and de- define what requirements you have on the personal side. How much money do you need to meet all of your personal obligations? What's required on the business side? How much money is needed? And when necessary, you can lend from your personal to your business. So literally make a transfer from the personal to the business to cover business expenses. And when necessary, you can make payments from to yourself from the business to the personal. So the money can still be used in both instances, but you just make it a clean approach to how that money moves from one to the other. And when you separate those, you get a more clear picture of how you're performing on both sides, personally and professionally. And we can give you more strategic advice on how to improve those results on the business side. And ideally, like I say, eliminate the need to even share the money at all. Um, you mentioned a really great point, though, how it's really important once you form your LLC to, and especially when you're taxed with an S corporation, to start paying yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think too many entrepreneurs um, try the commingling approach or have this mindset that I can't afford to pay myself. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you can't afford not to pay yourself. It's not just a legal requirement, but it's a, just a mindset and the heart matter of if I'm doing this work, I need to be compensated for it. And so we also recommend to entrepreneurs to just start small, like start with if it's paying yourself 50 bucks a week, just start small to generate that habit to get into just the practice of saying, I'm going to pay myself for the work I'm doing in this business and then grow that over time. Give yourself raises over time. That's the other way to make sure that you keep those things separate and you're honoring the sacrifice that you're making to pour into your business by at least paying yourself something small Mm -hmm. um, if necessary to start to kind of get yourself into that practice of being paid routinely. Yeah. And it's so important, especially for those starting off solopreneurs who, Mm -hmm. you know, are maybe transitioning from their nine to five to solopreneurship it's really important to create that habit. I always recommend 50% paycheck, you know, because then you don't have that tendency, that thought process is, oh, I need more. I need, I'm just going to go borrow. You know, we're always, one of the idioms I grew up with was, you know, I'm borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, when I was a treasurer for not for, for profit entities, you know, there was a specific, you know, format that we followed with managing the money and, and running the reports and 
that just stuck in me. And back in the day, I was, you know, creating budgets for people who had just filed for bankruptcy. And it's like, here's your plan, stick to it, and you'll watch your money multiply. And it's so simple, but it's not easy. Because, you know, life happens and our minds are wired to like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I made money. No, I'm pushing money away. Mm-hmm. Money's Money dined and dashed. Can't depend on. <laughs> so you know, it's funny because I think sometimes we think once we get kind of our ducks in a row, then we'll start budgeting. Or mm-hmm. once we get to a certain level, then we'll start paying ourselves. Like there's all these different kind of like places that we say in our minds we'll get to in order to start doing things in a more structured way without realizing that the structure is what actually gets you to that point. Mm -hmm. So having the budget is what gets you to the place that you can do things in a more, you know, meaningful way. And I think people oftentimes just wait too long. They wait too long to call a CPA to get in like a better position to be able to understand their financial results. And they preclude themselves from getting to the next level because they don't put the structure in place. So they really need to start even from the very beginning, from the very start of your business, create a budget. You know, create a plan for how you're going to handle your finances, because if you think you're just going to wait until you get to a certain point, you'll probably never get there. That's right. going to help you get there. Yes, I love that. So you had mentioned that you had started your business on your kitchen table. Yeah. What was that like? When Just you can draw us a picture of that. Yeah. So the seed for starting my own practice was kind of planted early in my career. So I started my career with Ernst & Young, super huge global CPA firm, and saw like a really big disconnect between the clients I served and the people that I was that were part of my personal life. So I hung out with a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, um, and they didn't have access to like a CPA and, and the services that I was providing to these large corporations. So I knew I had a desire to be able to bring that expertise into the small business world. Um, but I certainly didn't have enough money to create a big firm. And so I wanted to design, just like I'm telling other entrepreneurs, um, just a plan that would allow me to be able to support this passion I had and, and the dream to be able to support um, small business owners in a way that still let me support my household. And so for me, that required me to start my firm as a side hustle. Um, I was still working full time. And in nights and weekends, I was at my kitchen table with my laptop, a refurbished laptop I bought on Amazon, no less. So when I talk about shoestring budget, like it was the bare minimum um, and software that I paid for like a per um, return fee, right? So I didn't even buy a big robust software. I needed good software. I just paid for every return that I filed. I paid through the software. Um, and it allowed me to at least like start to pursue this path. And I was really, really, really regimented with how I managed my time to make sure that I could get everything done in my nights and my weekends and still fulfill my possibilities for my day job and with how I managed my money because I didn't have much. And so the the difference between me being able to pay the fees for the software and pay for all of the kind of insurances that are required in my industry was me being really disciplined with Mm -hmm. how I spent my money. And doing that allowed me to ultimately get to the place that I could get a small co-working space. Um, and so I kind of prepared for that by just making sure that I was very, you know, disciplined in how I spent money for the first three months. Then I got a little co-work space and was able to move out of my kitchen table and into a space where I could actually meet with clients. Um, again, stayed really, really disciplined, adhered to the budget. 
And then eventually was able to hire a, a junior accountant to support me. And that was our first year. And our very first year, we earned $86,000. And when I tell you, I thought, look, mama, we made it. Like, I could not <laughs> believe that a side hustle could produce income like that. Something that was just being done on kind of evenings and weekends um, and with myself and a, and a part-time kind of junior person supporting me. Um, and really thought, okay, this is it. Like, I'm just going to have this side hustle. I'm going to like support these people this way. And, and that was going to be the end of the story. Um, and really kind of God moved on my heart and said, like, if your goal is to support small business owners, that's going to require you to fully commit. Like, you're going to have to go all in and really make this your day job, not just your, your side hustle. So that second year, I did that. The second year, I quit my job and decided to go all in. Wow. And hired some additional people. And I kept that exact same philosophy I started with. Very regimented very kind of shoestring budget level. We didn't go get a big office space. We actually just added a couple more offices in that co-working space to grow the team and have more people able to do services. It like just really, really, really modest growth and slow growth to really support making sure that the business could be self-sustaining. Um, and that went from year two all the way to year five. We celebrated five years last year. Um, where we did over 2 million in revenue. And so it was the same approach that I really, really share with the business owners that we get the privilege to serve is the approach I use to build my own business, being very methodical, very regimented and disciplined to make sure that we don't bite off more than we can chew, that we're not putting ourselves in a situation where we're not able to meet all of the, the obligations and the commitments. Um, and then, like I say, fully committing, going all in. So needless to say, it was a really scary experience. Um, having been a CPA at that time for um, about 15 years, I had a great job. Like there, <laughs> there was a big leap of faith involved in going from a very guaranteed and secure full-time job with a global firm to building my own practice. Um, and so there was plenty of days. I, I distinctly remember a day when it was time to make payroll and payroll at this time was um, uh, probably about $1,600. It wasn't, it wasn't very much. And I'm looking at what I need to cover for payroll and how much money I have in my bank account. And they were about the same. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, is this what entrepreneurship is like? Like you barely have enough to get by. Um, and so those early, early months were, were challenging, but the discipline really helped to make sure that those were things we could build upon and eventually go to the place where, when payroll comes, it's no longer a worry. So, yeah. And that's, that's such a common worry. Yeah. That common worry is you look at the numbers and logically it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. So having that plan in place, I love that you took their approach of the steady growth because a lot of entrepreneurs will just go gun ho and expand so quickly. And like, you know, within less than five years, they've, you know, double tripled their expenses. And then now they have to cut back. They have to lay off. And that's not a really good place to be. And I know, unfortunately, several business owners who multiplied so quickly that they ended up having to go bankrupt mm -hmm. and close down and shut down stores or, you know, the brick and mortar that they have, whatever business entity they're in. And that's just devastating. So yeah. really drawing out that plan and having that purpose and knowing where you want to go. And um, so congrats. I love that. I love that yeah. you moved it into a place where it's just expanded and now you're in 
in the four different states, you're helping people and all across the US, right? Yeah. Um, depending on, you know, all the, the particulars, their needs. So tell us, um, you connect with um, small business owners, you had mentioned solopreneurs. Mm-hmm. What's your service like? So when someone wants to connect with you, when would they need to connect with the CPA versus, well, I have a bookkeeper doing this for me or yeah. So I think the right spot to connect with us is when really you are preparing to go on a growth trajectory. So bookkeepers do, and we have bookkeepers on our team, bookkeepers do a really good job of capturing data, looking at what's happened and making sure that those things are categorized and they're complete and accurate. Where the CPA comes in is we start to take historical data and make projections for the future. So where's this company headed and what decisions need to be made to help make the future financial results look better than the past? And bookkeepers, like I say, just really focus on capturing historical data. And we're going to do a really great job at making sure that we help you prepare for the right decisions for the next level. So we love to work with just growing organizations. Um, Highly dedicated, highly driven founders are um, just the people that we love to partner with because we know as we offer guidance on what to do for the future, they're going to take heed to it. And we're going to be able to see the transformation that takes place when they're doing more forward-looking financial planning and analysis. So that's what the CPA gets to do. Um, oftentimes, I tell clients, even when they're first starting off, you may not need a CPA like on day one, but you probably need a CPA plugged in to help lay the right foundation. So all too often, we get clients who are two to three years in the business. They've been just using a bookkeeper, but the data wasn't captured in a format that lets us do the future planning that we want to be able to do for them. So we do, we have a smart start program that we do with a lot of brand new entrepreneurs that just lays the right foundation. It's like a one-time service. Then they engage the bookkeeper until they're ready to hit like a really big growth trajectory. And we can support them through that. In addition, one of the biggest bills that a founder is going to pay is their tax bill. Yeah. Um, depending on what state they live in, they're going to have state taxes. They're going to have local taxes, meaning like their sales tax and payroll taxes. They're going to have all the federal taxes. And um, 50% of your expenses could be taxes if you're not really strategic about it. So what the CPA does as well is we do a lot of strategy work about how to minimize your tax burden. So People commonly have this misconception that what they pay in taxes is dictated by the state or dictated by the IRS. That's actually not true. The laws are written to give you a lot of flexibility and a lot of opportunity to reduce what you're paying in taxes. But you need a CPA plugged in to guide you through that and make sure you're doing the right things to pay the least amount possible in taxes. There are major organizations that have literally a whole team of CPAs and tax attorneys that focus entirely on that. That's not practical for a small business, but what we get to do at NextGen is provide that service to small businesses in an outsourced capacity. So finding ways to be strategic, minimize their tax bill, and that gives them the opportunity to use that money that they didn't pay in taxes because we saved them that money to invest back into their business, to pay themselves more, to do the things that are going to help propel them to the next level of growth. So bookkeepers do, like I say, a really good job of capturing the data and making sure historicals are complete and accurate. But that CPA is going to really build the next path forward and help get you to the next level by the planning and the tax strategy that you need for your business. I love that. So many of you listening need this service. And I like that you have the startup thing. So if you're a brand new um, solopreneur, it's so important to lay the foundation so that you can grow. 
in a way that helps you multiply your money. And you don't need to be fretting or worrying about, oh, do I have enough to cover my taxes? Like what, what happens the next step in expanding? And, you know, a lot of times we think we can do it ourselves or we'll go hire somebody. I talked to a woman who fired three accountants. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's the deal there? And, you know, working with a, a CPA is so important when you do get into that S corporation, even the C corporation, you want to have somebody that knows the tax laws. They're very complex and they're changing constantly. So mm -hmm. thank you, Cindy, so much for sharing your expertise. We're going to put your links in the show notes so our audience can connect with you directly, um, especially those who are you know just starting out and want that foundation that you offer that I've never heard that being offered. So that's a beautiful Beautiful thing to have and to offer. What, what words of wisdom can you share with our audience? So I would say two, two really quick things. First, do not be afraid of the unknown. You can make the best decisions for your personal finances and for your business finances when you have information. And oftentimes we don't engage the right people, sometimes not do the right things ourselves to make our financial status known. Mm -hmm. um, we have so many clients who come to us who are doing what I call management by online banking. Um, they just look at their bank account and make decisions based on that. <laughs> so don't be afraid of the unknown. Work with the right people so that you have a clear picture of your financial performance personally and professionally. And the second thing I would say is don't allow money to be the thing that precludes you from producing the ultimate level of success. We really believe at NextGen that every founder has it within them to be the next Bill Gates, the next um, Steve Jobs. Like, There's so many opportunities for us to grow businesses. We don't want money to be the thing that prevents you from that. And so with what we do in our work and what, of course, you do as well, Lisa, we can make sure that money isn't the, the stumbling block that keeps you from getting to the highest level of success. Yes. So being engaged with the right people really helps make sure money doesn't prevent you from being really successful. Yeah, it's so important. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was a pleasure having you on the show, sharing your expertise. For you, those of you listening, please check the show notes, connect with Cindy, join the Facebook group, Money Magnets, Wealthy Women, Sovereign Souls. We're going to be showcasing Cindy's um, this episode. You get to connect with her, check out her website, see Start, get that startup, okay? I'm telling you, it is the best investment you will make. It is a, it's an investment of time, right? And money, right? The money doesn't matter because it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.